Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 1993 film Much Ado About Nothing. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. sunglasses yeah you like these i do yeah yeah but then check this out Whoop. oh the old double shades the yeah. old double glasses trick flippy boys Very nice I, I like to think of this as the ultimate dad flex <laughs> yeah <laughs> you to tuck in your t-shirt into your trousers yep okay i'll do that right now pull up your socks i'm not wearing socks get on the sandals <laughs> That's how you. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. I do own a pair of very nice Birkenstocks that I bought last summer when I was like, I need proper, like, a pair of good, sturdy shoes that I can throw on to go outside easily in the hot, the hot weather. So yeah, I, I gave in to the Birkenstocks, but I do not wear them with sandals. That's outrageous. That is, <laughs> don't wear Birkenstocks with sandals. That would be very difficult. No. Um, the uh, that that is the most fan of Shakespeare thing I think I've ever heard in my life, by the way, that you own a pair of Birkenstocks. Yeah, the the the, the, the Venn diagram of people who own Birkenstocks and who like Shakespeare is a circle. <laughs> are, are you a fan of the works of Billiam Shakespeare? Yes, I am. Are you? Nah, he's alright. He's alright, you know. Just He's, he's mid. <laughs> just vanilla. Mid Shakespeare, isn't that a isn't that a village in the Cotswolds where all the Tories come from? <laughs> Absolutely, Mid Shakespeare. Absolutely. So, what's your favourite Shakespearean play then? I don't know. I well, I say I say I'm generally a fan of Shakespeare, but I'm not like a super fan. Like when we we both studied English at university, right? That was where we met. We had to do some Shakespeare. I was never going to be the person who was like, yes, give me all of the Shakespeare right now because I love it. But I always enjoyed studying Shakespeare when I did. Um, I did, ended up studying a lot of the tragedies. Othello, I quite enjoyed studying. I got a lot out of that. Antony and Cleopatra enjoyed a lot. Julius Caesar is a, is a good one, classic one, isn't it? Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, uh, perhaps an obvious choice, but includes a guy called Bottom and some donkey transformation, so you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> it's, it is genuinely hard to choose just one. Do you have a fave? Yeah, I've got one fave. Macbeth is the best. Yeah, I, it's I, I easy thought you like that. Just, it's easy to choose just one, Paddy. Yeah. Um, the histories are crap. Sorry, fan of Shakespeare's histories. I like to think that we've got some like experts in Shakespeare. They listen here. every week. You know, some proper, some proper, um, you know, lecturers or, or PhDs in Shakespearean stuff. Everyone. The, on, well, I know at least one person from our course who has gone on to become a lecturer in Shakespeare. Yes, yes. I know um, he listens every week. I'm sure. <laughs> Um, well boring, mate. History's well boring anyway. Let yeah, alone no, I, someone then doing a play that's now history about history. I said I liked Antony and Cleopatra and Julius Caesar. All the other historical ones are boring. 
All the king, <laughs> well, well, the king well, ones count, are a load of rubbish. They, they count more as tragedies, don't they? Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, with a, kind of a historical basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all the king ones are super boring. So for me, Macbeth is number one. Totally amazing. It's your favourite um, level in the game, Star Fox 64, <laughs> aka Lilac Wars. Is there a level called Macbeth in that game? <laughs> there is, yeah. That's the one where you have to shoot down the train before it goes through the the um, barrier. I never owned an N64, so I never played it. Star, Star, Star Fox games are fine. But... Oh, man. Star Fox 64 is so good. You can get it on the um, Switch now. What? I don't care. I can play better games on the Switch. <laughs> I grew up on things like R-Type and proper old school shmups. Yeah. What you'd now call bullet hell games. Um, I have no time for... Star Fox is fine. It's an all right game. It was... It was it, At the time, it got by on having really snazzy graphics, but the gameplay was just kind of there. And nowadays, it's outclassed by everything. Well, I, re- I replayed it on the Switch recently, and it was still held up. I found it to be very good fun. Nah, you could play something better. Go and go and play R Type, or go and play. Um, what's the amazing? There's an amazing underrated one on the NES, Burai Fighter. Totally amazing. Oh, I've not heard of that. It's a un uncut gem of the NES. It's the Adam Sandler of Nintendo Entertainment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, um, I, anyway, I'm not playing that. I'm playing Final Fantasy VII, as you know. I'm genuinely. Yes, I'm just. I'm just playing yeah. through that now. I'm not. I'm not deviating. I often am jumping between games, but I'm so absorbed now. So I made it to Mount Nibel. Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Nibel, Nibel, Nibelheim, <laughs> Nibelheim. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Welcome to the Barai Fighter podcast, by the way. <laughs> That's um, what this is now. I, I I just wanted to highlight. That, so there's a developer from back in the day called Kid Kindle Imagine Develop. They were called the Japanese game dev. Um, and they made some amazing games for the NES. So they made Logiman, they made Isolated Warrior, they made Burai Fighter. Um, I don't think they're still going anymore, which is a shame. But back in the NES era, they made like the proper underrated cool games. Um, that that um the real the real cool kids liked, like me, you know, games because <laughs> I'm because I'm, like. I'm, I'm a cool kid. Um, <laughs> um, how the how the how the hell do we get onto onto this? I don't know. We always end up talking about video games. We should probably start another podcast where we talk about video games. We do. We play a video game a week, and we play for as long as we play until we get bored, and then we talk about our experiences. We did that special on Hatterful Boyfriend. That oh, we good. did. Yeah, we should do Doki Doki Literature Club as well at some point. That, that keeps getting recommended yeah. to me. It's extremely good. Um, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Have there been any? Have there been any Shakespearean adaptations for computer games? That surely is something that exists, but I cannot think of it off the top of my head. Shakespeare video games. Surely, if did they not make like a terrible SNES game of Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet? <laughs> surely that's that's a <laughs> bit of cursed legacy media that we must find. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I've done a little search, and there should just be a full list of Shakespeare video games, shouldn't there? And surely, it's in the public domain, right? So you can you can make whatever you want with it. Is this a dagger I see before me? It's a plus one fire dagger. You can use it to stab up that king cuck <laughs> even more effectively. There we go. Hamlet Hamlet the roguelike. <laughs> Hamlet is, is one and of that- the worst ones as well, by the way. Hamlet, I think, is the most overrated Shakespeare. 
And I say that as someone who didn't study it. Everyone who studied it is always like, oh, it's the best. I loved it. It's great. No, it's not. It's boring. I studied it and it's way too long. The whole thing is about his inaction as a character, which is not a very good central dynamic. That's the first rule of writing, isn't it? That's the thing they teach you. Active protagonist. Uh, He's a passive protagonist. Never do anything passive ever or everyone will hate your work. (laughs) That's what you're taught. It will immediately, as soon as anything Um, passive happens, if you ever use a passive verb or like anything ever, then like, yeah, the reader immediately slams the book down and goes, this is an outrage. This is unbelievable. But Shakespeare um, got away with it. This? I'm going to write in and complain. Um, the Tempest is good. It's got a big storm and it's got a monster. A freaky monster man. I got, thought you'd like that. And it's got a wizard and it's got love. It's great. Yeah. Um, I like A Midsummer Night's Dream. It's got magic. It's got a donkey man. What else can you ask for? Um, Macbeth has... That's, you've just described Shrek. <laughs> exactly. Um, we've got Macbeth, which is full of murder and witches and Scottish people. Again, what more can you want from a story than that? Um, and Our I do... teacher in year nine showed us the Roman Polanski version, of... and she was not her contract was not renewed the next year. Roman Polanski version of what? Macbeth. Have you never seen it? No. It's rubbish and uh, really like pornographic and violent and horrible was what you expect when, from someone as horrible as, as when, when I when I think of Macbeth I think of pornographic yeah it's about half of it is like weird witch orgies and we were sitting there yeah 13 14 years old going what is going on I'm never going to do Shakespeare again you should have watched the Mel Gibson Hamlet speaking of other horrible oh, no. people from Hollywood um, which is far more know boring that than it should be it's like a real they, they do like a real traditional version of it, and it's ridiculous. Oh, um, unlike the Kenneth Branagh version of Hamlet, where he kind of sort of modernised... Well, it's not modernised, but it's set in the 19th century right? Um, instead, and he throws a sword at someone and kills them, which is great. You know, what, what, what more can you want from it? That's a very Castlevania move. I approve of that. <laughs> exactly. Um, I also seem to remember the taming of the shrew. That's a that's a funny one. Yeah, um, there's a very enjoyable BBC adaptation of that. With um, what's the woman who plays Moaning Myrtle called? Who I love. Who is oh, brilliant her name is Moaning Myrtle. Yep. I feel very bad that I can't remember her name, but she is brilliant in that as the as the central the central role. And of course, Ten Things I Hate About You, which was the first film we ever did for this podcast, which is the first Shakespeare. The first Shakespeare. Um, So you might have noticed that nowhere in there did I mention this week's film, Much Ado About Nothing. No. Which I don't think I knew. It's it's about... You you never studied it? No, I never studied it. Whenever given the option, I would always avoid any kind of old literature. It's not me. I, I want new stuff written by cool dudes who wear sunglasses and... Hey, I'm right here. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, rather than, you know, Elizabethan era or or before that. Um, Generally, anything before the 19th century, I have not that much interest in studying, so I always kind of avoided it wherever possible. What Um, about Chaucer? Chaucer can fuck off. (laughs) 
I'm Chaucer. Look at me. Look at my tales around the country. You can read so much into it as a modern reader. It's so relevant, people say. Why does no, Chaucer have the voice of Keir Starmer? Because Keir Starmer is Chaucer. Chaucer <laughs> is Keir Starmer. Keir Chaucer. Um, it's the one thing that really frustrates me about old literature is people always going, oh, it's so relevant to the modern day. What the fuck is relevant to the modern no, day it's not much ado about nothing? <laughs> nothing. Well, apart from that there's a film with Keanu Reeves in it, which is I think is highly <laughs> yeah, relevant to everyone. The, the, that, the only thing that's relevant about this is that cucked men are losers. That's the only <laughs> thing about this which is relevant to the modern day. And like... You you can think of like the good plot line of Macbeth, for instance, and think, okay, that's cool. But from a thematic perspective, does it have that much relevance? You're saying you've never seen a dagger before, you? <laughs> Is this a Chelsea dagger that I see before? Oh no! <laughs> I walked right into that one. <laughs> that was that was an open goal. You know what? What, what was that band called? The Fratellis. The Fratellis have more contemporary relevance than Jeffrey than all Chaucer. <laughs> than all the works of Shakespeare, Jeffrey Chaucer, Archer Wordsworth. has more relevance to the <laughs> contemporary <laughs> reader than Jeffrey Chaucer. That's my hot take today. Unfortunately, that probably today. is true. That's my hot take today. <laughs> you can read old literature and enjoy it. More power to you if you can. But don't you dare try and suggest that I should gain any relevance <laughs> from reading your old dusty book. I don't think it's a question of relevance so much as just sort of knowing about the history of storytelling and culture and stuff, I guess. You you can pick at stuff to find relevance if you want to, but it's not going to be as relevant as any of the other works of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> exactly. What's more relevant to a modern man? Your, your average Keir Starmer voter. He goes down the pub, seven o'clock on a Friday night, Gets a nice pint of ale. Uh, he's wearing his bootcut jeans. Listens to stereophonics on his phone on his walkover. Um, has a chat about his hybrid car with his friends down the pub. And then he comes home. And what do you think he does when he gets home? Do you think that he sits down and reads Much Ado About Nothing? Or do you think that he puts on an episode of Mock the Week and laughs at modern-day contemporary political thought? He's still down the pub. He's requested Chelsea Dagger on the jukebox and he's waiting for them to play it. (laughs) And then he's going to get up and do his little jig. (laughs) This is highly relevant to modern Britain, isn't it? This is, yeah. I don't even know if Mock the Week still exists. I've got no idea. I've paid no attention to political satire TV shows since I was about 18. Have I Got News For You is still there. That's Some, still Sometimes there. pop that on. Some, somehow, somehow that's still going. Um, okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. Yep. What about, what about Spitting Image? That came back, didn't it? That came Did back and everyone that? hated it. <laughs> you know why? Because political comedy is rubbish. Because satire used to be good in the Shakespeare days, and now it's not. Yeah, Geoffrey Chaucer knew how to do satire. He'd have a night and he'd get his bum out. <laughs> I mean, you do you do have to thank Geoffrey Chaucer for the fact that we get to see Paul Bettany's bum in A Knight's Tale. <laughs> exactly. There, there's all sorts of 
bums in Chaucer. That's what I remember from Chaucer. It's just like, and he doth verily get out his ass. It, that, and it, that's there was very true. Much mirth. That's basically all of Chaucer. <laughs> Pretty all, much all the all the butts. Chaucer invented a lot of words as well, and Shakespeare invented um, a lot of words as well, including the word punk. He invented the word much, the word do, the word about, and the word nothing, which was very confusing for the people who went to go and see Much Ado About Nothing for the first time. It was it was as if it just said flabba da booba da boo was the title. <laughs> that would have been a better title. Skinnamarink. Skinnamarink. <laughs> By William it was, Shakespeare. It was, it was his generation's Skinnamarink. <laughs> um, so, so, okay, Much Ado About Nothing. So you, you knew nothing about this. You you were much ado about nothing yourself. I was much ado about nothing myself. <laughs> I knew it was one of the comedies, and that meant that a bunch of people were going to say a bunch of words, and a pretentious person in the audience is going to laugh as though it's funny. <laughs> Pretty much. That's, that's the extent of what I know about much ado about nothing. Um, and I assumed that there would be some kind of wedding and some kind of misunderstanding because that's what happens in every Shakespearean comedy. Yep. And I was pretty bang on. You were right. You were <laughs> yeah. very much correct. Um, I, yeah, so so basically, right, if th- this is my understanding of the play. Gang of Soldiers turns up. Spoiler alert for Much Ado About Nothing. If you're studying it for your A-levels, actually, this could be quite a good study guide if you're studying uh, it for it A-levels. It definitely is not a good study don't, guide. Don't read the Spark Notes or the Wikipedia summary. Listen to our summary of it, of the, uh, the 1993 film starring Keanu Reeves. It, <laughs> do, it'll tell you everything you need to know. Do not do that if you value getting good grades, because I'm about to not give a very good explanation of this. So there's the gang of soldiers turns up and they're all like, ha ha, look at us. We're all best friends and I'm in love. And then they're going to get married. But Keanu Reeves is a wrong one. And he's like, right, tell you what, lads, let's put out a rumor that this lady has had sexual intercourse the rumour sticks. She then dies of shame after being dumped at the altar by her cuck of her husband-to-be. But he's a fake, it's fake cucking, because it didn't actually fake, happen. It's a fake cucking, but as far as he was aware, he was he, he had been cuckened. Yeah. Which I believe is the, That's <laughs> the, the, the technical term. term. Yeah. Um, a couple of other people fall in love after having a bit of a sassy bit of words. Um, they discover that it was all a plot. Turns out that she's not really dead. Everyone gets married. And then there's the threat of looming war, which is exactly what you want from the end of a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> and Keanu Reeves gets taken away silently at the end of the film. <laughs> is, is, is that a good explanation of Much Ado About Nothing? I, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, nailed it. Job done. There we go. Get an <laughs> A in your A-level right now. So one thing I will say, it's all in... Shakespearean English, boring. More more things should update. More things uh, more things should update Shakespearean stuff to be modern day English. I think you don't get enough of that because often they'll modernise it or set it in a different time period, but then they'll still use the Shakespearean language. Even Baz Luhrmann didn't do it, did he? Yeah, exactly. Why why not go like, oi, I'm Keanu Reeves, and I don't like you, brother. Therefore, I'm going to do some sneaky stuff. I don't know why he's being played by uh, Matt Berry, but <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's just the vibe we're going for here. Um, uh, yeah, that but yeah, like I a mean, scene from Toast of London. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, there, there's, uh, I mean, to be fair, I do quite enjoy traditional Shakespearean adaptations. The adaptation of Macbeth with Michael Fassbender in from a few years ago is my favourite Shakespearean film and probably one of my favourite films of all time. I don't know if really, I've seen it. Oh, it's incredibly good. Um, you've got Hamlet with Ethan Hawke, which is all right. Um, like I said, you've got Hamlet with um, Kenneth Branagh, which yeah. is which is good. Um, so I do quite like them, and and the Baz Luhrmann one is 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 a very enjoyable film. But I do sometimes wish that you people would, you know, mix it up a bit, throw in a few motherfuckers here and there. <laughs> that would make minstrels of us, motherfucker. That's how it should have gone. <laughs> Much to do about fucking nothing. (laughs) Much to do about fuck all, mate. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But one thing I will say is that I enjoyed the performances in this adaptation. Yes, I, I, I quite, I like this film, and I, I get a lot out of it. But I, I think the performances are what truly carry it, aren't they? Mm. I, I want to talk about Keanu, obviously, because that was the reason that he chose it. Keanu. Who gives an iconic performance in this film? Absolutely oh, yeah. iconic. And my memory of it, I think I hadn't seen it in a very long time. I definitely watched it at school. Um, and as, as I said, the poster was up on the wall in my English class. Um, so I had Keanu Reeves' face staring down at me while I was doing my English GCSEs, which was great. But um, I remembered there being more Keanu, and there actually wasn't that much. No, he's just kind of in it a little bit, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh, he's he's not around a lot. But what's hilarious about it is that like every time he's on screen, the music really dramatically shifts, and so does like the, the lighting and everything. And suddenly it's all dark, and you'd expect there almost to be like <laughs> lightning crackling or like wolves howling. And it's like it becomes really, really cartoonishly evil. And it's just like this makes no sense, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, he's like cackling away in a dungeon at times. Yeah. It's it's really great. At one point, um, he's getting like a a massage from a guy from a guy, and then he just like slaps him away because he's like, "I'm off to do my evil business now. I'm Keanu Reeves." <laughs> Excuse me, but I've got evil things to do. Um, and and it's great that on the poster you've got all of these sassy, smiling, looking people going, "Ha ha, we're in a comedy," and then you've got Keanu Reeves just looking evil just, at the bottom. Yeah, it's looking really pissed off, <laughs> which is which is great. It's brilliant. Um. So yeah, I I enjoyed Keanu Reeves in this. I don't know is is he meant to be disliked for his performance in this movie? Do the Shakespeare heads dislike Keanu Reeves in this film? I don't know actually. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm joking about it, but I do think it's a good performance. Like yeah, in terms I, of I what like the film what the film has asked of him, it absolutely delivers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The film is which is directed by Kenneth Branagh, screenplay by Kenneth Branagh, starring Kenneth Branagh. Get you a get you a brand who can do both. <laughs> um, so Peter Travers of Rolling Stone gave the film a negative review, praising some moments as invigorating fun, but ultimately calling it overripe. Oh, we're doing we're doing reviews already. Well, I'm just I'm just highlighting someone who uh, who disliked Keanu Reeves. The negative criticisms focused on particular casting choices, notably Keanu Reeves as Don John and Michael Keaton as Dogberry. Um, for his performance in the film, Keeves also received a Golden Raspberry performance. Which I oh, that's bad. unfair. Once again, Golden Raspberries are rubbish. Got, the the Razzies can just fuck off, honestly. Like we don't we don't endorse those on this show. So mean spirited. So mean spirited. And often just very wide of the mark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He didn't win. Well, let's, I guess now we have to see who won that year. What year was it? It was 1990. 1993. They started in 1980, I mean. 
golden raspberries. Oh, Woody Harrelson for indecent proposal. Well, I've never seen that, so I can't. I can't comment. No, neither have I. Chris O'Donnell for Three Musketeers. John Lithgow for Cliffhanger. Tom Berenger for Sliver. I have seen four out of five of these films, and I don't recognise any of them as being particularly poor performances. So once again... Cliffhanger, I've never seen it, but that's the one that Rennie Harlan did before Cutthroat Island, isn't it? Uh, yes, and it's it's quite good fun. Um, Sylvester Stallone is on a mountain, and John Lithgow's an evil... Terrorist? I'm going to say terrorist. <laughs> you went a bit Matt Berry there. <laughs> He's a little terrorist. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I've seen I've seen four out of five of those movies, and I wouldn't necessarily say that those performances were awful. Who knows? Maybe Indecent Proposal truly is a terrible, terrible film. They also this is going to offend you a lot. They also nominated Tim Curry for Congo in 1995. Oh, fucking losers, honestly. If you can't, you know what? It's my choice of movie next, isn't it? Yes, it is. We're watching Congo. Screw it. I've not watched Congo in ages. <laughs> there's like no, ro- there's zero romance. There's there's the love of a man, a, the platonic love between a man and his ape best friend. That's enough for this podcast. We're doing Congo next. That's annoyed me enough to say that Congo's up next. Because you've never seen it, have you? I've never seen it. No, I very oh, much mate, want to see it. You're in for a treat. We're just giving up on the pretense, aren't we, now? It's just like, we just talk about whatever <laughs> we want. We just talk show. about whatever movie we want. It's the best Michael Crichton movie. <laughs> not not counting Jurassic Park or Sphere or whatever other ones he's made, but it's a fantastic film so yeah no we're watching congo screw it let's do it um anyway um yeah i think that's really unfair on keanu reeves i enjoy him in this film this is a silly film and it's a silly story it's a it's one of his comedies you're meant to be laughing at bits of it yeah of course i and i think he knows that and the film knows that as well yeah and like you know when you think about this you've got a character literally called dogberry (laughs) you know that's a silly name and and his character is meant to be a sort of bumbling, oafy policeman, essentially. Yeah. I thought he was quite funny, him and Ben Elton doing the kind of brave Sir Robin thing from um, yeah. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That was very stupid and made no sense, and I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really it was really silly and enjoyable. And yeah, I liked I liked uh, Michael Keaton as Dogberry in this, having never paid any attention to this uh, to this play before. I, I enjoyed those performances. It's a bit of light relief, isn't it? It's not quite. It's not quite as good as the Gun Boys, is it? <laughs> no, not from quite. Romeo not quite. plus Juliet. No, um, but it's it's um, yeah. I I liked them, and I liked the sort of levity that they brought to it, which I assume is why they're there in the first place. Exactly. They always come on at just the right time, don't they? Yeah. Um, and aside from that, we've got Emma Thompson being brilliant as always, because Emma Thompson's always brilliant. Um, Kenneth Branagh being brilliant as always because Kenneth Branagh is always brilliant and their performance together I think is what really drives this forward yes yeah. and they were married in real life at the time yes yeah of course um and um yeah I think I think they're great in this it's uh, they're really brilliant performances and of course Kenneth Branagh does Shakespeare because it's what he does it's he, his thing. he's the Shakespeare man it's his he's thing the, He's the he's the alas poor Yorick man. He's all about that Yorick. <laughs> um, 
but but yeah he's 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 really good she's really good and they've got that really great chemistry those two characters which is obviously you know the 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 movie and i assume the play i don't know i don't know plays hold plays up kenneth Branagh play- directed thor 2011 yeah he directed thor i did not know that yeah and then he did the cinderella in 2015 I knew, with I knew Lily that. james yeah which is boring I quite like it. I like it more than most of the live action adaptations because you can kind of see the point of Cinderella. You can't see the point of most of them. I found it very long and dull. Like, what is the point of, you know, Lion King live action? It's to freak everyone out with with lions, real lions singing at you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a horror um, film. Just a dead-eyed CGI lion screaming no as it watches its father die. Yeah. Um, I don't think he did the second Thor. I don't think he was brought back to direct. No, I don't think so. Um, Which is a shame. But he did, um, yeah, he did the murder on the Orange Express and the other ones, didn't he? um, Death on the Nile, he's done two. Have you seen either of them? No, I haven't, but I've heard. I've seen good. both of them. They're quite, they're quite silly, actually. Yeah, his his yeah. performance is really ridiculous. It's, it's. I've heard it's sort of comparable to Daniel Craig in, um, what's that one? Knives Out, Glass Onion. Ah, those two. okay, cool. Which I know you like a lot, but I was talking, I, I was talking to my dad yeah. actually when he was down about about Elvis and about Tom Hanks's accent in that film, and he said that that's what Daniel Craig's accent is like in those films. So now I want to see them. No, his his accent's far more fun. He's got this sort of Louisiana drool, and it just kind of it's really charming, actually, as as silly as it is. Um, whereas Tom Hanks is just kind of incredibly off-putting. <laughs> um, but then he's doing a haunting in Venice, which is based on Halloween party. Ah, interesting. Um, so uh, it's another Poirot. Yeah. Um, he had must solve the murder of a guest at a seance he attended, which is yeah, which is cool. Um, so so yeah, he's he's really good. Um, I don't think Emma Thompson gets enough respect. No, is that is that a fair thing to Isn't say? Isn't she like a national treasure? Yeah, but like she's not like seen as a top tier all timer, and I think that's unfair because she should have been. Yeah, I'd say she is highly respected though. Yeah, but like respected in the same way that a good book's respected, oh. not respected in the same way as a, a should have been star. And books are for nerds, so and books are for nerds. That's You're saying she's problem. appreciated by nerds. <laughs> she is appreciated by nerds. That's the problem. She should be appreciated by other people, and like she's never been in any movies that have been, you know, super super massive with her as the star, which I think is unfair. When people think about her, they think about, you know, maybe The Remains of the Day. Yeah. Which is a great film. Um, which we talked about. But, but like, apart from that, people highlight her for shit like Harry Potter. You shit know, like Harry or, Potter or Love Actually. Yeah, yeah, where where it's, like, a, a bit part in something. Whereas, really, she should have had a far greater career than she had. Not that she didn't have a... A, a great career but you think about things like stranger than fiction for instance oh, and how that's great, great that is um or or junior <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course. <laughs> no um but but yeah like she sort of she sort of been greater than she's had i think it's unfair she should have been a massive star yeah 
and she gives off massive star energy in this. I mean, it, uh, she gets a yeah, good amount yeah. of screen time, and every time she's on screen, she's being funny. So even though you said that you you don't find it funny when they talk funny in the old Shakespearean stuff, and that only nerds laugh at Shakespeare jokes, do you, did you find her performance enjoyable and funny? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I never laughed out loud at this film because that's I don't laugh unless a man falls. Down. Not even when Kenneth Branagh said, <laughs> "I will hang my bugle in a baldric." No, as 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 evocative as that is, and you can recognise the the brilliance of the quips between them. You know, between those two, that's where the real charm lies in this story. Yeah, um, and it is incredibly well done. Um, but yeah, I I don't think I've ever laughed out loud at a piece of Shakespearean language ever. Um, I I think that makes me a a, a, a dullard, doesn't it? Yeah. Makes you a fool. The our listeners Adjuster. rolling their eyes and going, "Oh, look at this guy! He can't laugh unless Will Ferrell's pissing down the side <laughs> of a building and eating an onion." <laughs> you can't laugh yet unless John C. Riley is just chomping into an <laughs> onion like an apple. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, um, but yeah, no, you can you can you can still recognise the quality of of what it is. So my my stuff about making fun of Shakespeare is there purely to annoy people, not for any. Not, yeah, of course. Because yeah, I I like to say that I I very much don't do not like the Sherlock Holmes people, and I think the way that they take it really seriously is silly. The Shakespeare people are similar, aren't they? Not as bad. Yeah, absolutely. But it comes from the same place, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a you know. Look at me, I'm highbrow. I like Shakespeare. Whatever. It's almost a parasocial relationship with an author. Yeah. It, it goes beyond simply being a fan of someone's work and it becoming something far more intrinsic to somebody. Yes. Um, so we talk a lot about parasocial relationships with online celebrities such as ourselves, you know, the, all the love letters I get. Yeah, it happens all the time. in this yeah. podcast. <laughs> Can't <laughs> but, move but seriously, when you, think about, when you think about people like Markiplier, for instance, and the fandom around that or you see it with with singers and things like that if they th- th- it goes beyond simple fandom and instead becomes this very much emotional attachment and i think um <laughs> i think shakespeare was the original pewdiepie <laughs> <laughs> that's all we can say um yeah but, but you know what i mean like it, it, it it's more than simply being an enjoyer of someone's work it becomes a very intrinsic part of who we are and maybe that's something to do with passionate fandoms in general but it is one of those things that's noticeable with with fans of the works of Shakespeare, or like you said, Sherlock Holmes fans, or you know, certain music fans as well, for instance. Yeah, um, fans of anything are bad. Just don't be a fan of anything. That's what that's what's at the core of that meme, isn't it? Like there's the average X thing fan, average X enjoyer, and the enjoyer is a big old muscular Chad. That's that meme. I think cuts <laughs> to the heart of everyday society, it does. modern society, it does. in the way that Shakespeare never could. You never know when the person that you enjoy is going to turn out to be a total prick. <laughs> this is very and true. So don't define who you are by somebody else. You can enjoy their works, certainly, but you should never you should always be able to accept people making fun of it. You know, there, there's that whole thing about, oh, let people enjoy things. But also, maybe they think that Shakespeare's a safe bet given that he's been dead for several hundred years. <laughs> I, I don't think he's going to come out as a, as a Nazi anytime He hasn't soon, got old he? tweets that are going to resurface from 20, 2007, <laughs> has he? <laughs> he's not going to appear on the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> um, no. But yeah, yeah there, there's that whole thing about, oh, let people enjoy things. Well, actually, let people dislike things as well. Let people make fun of things. Um, 
you know, I'm a big fan of the music of Nine Inch Nails, and I saw someone referring to Trent Reznor as Goth Daddy Too Buff and laughed a lot I about like it because it's That's a good. really great uh, description. Um, you've got to be able to laugh at the things that you enjoy, even if you have that really strong emotional attachment to it. And, you know, um, you know like the music of Nine Inch Nails has got me through some very difficult moments in life, but you've still got to be able to laugh at it. And have fun about it. Of course. It. And I think that's one of the important things to try and separate out your fandom of something from it becoming something that is um, intrinsic to who you are. Because you never know when something's going to be reevaluated or something's going to reappear. Like you said, probably not with Shakespeare. But who knows if... Who else is a modern day example Chaucer. of things? Chaucer. Who knows if Chaucer's going to start flogging brain pills <laughs> on Crypto. Breitbart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, about, what, about, what about Chaucer coin? Yeah, you know. what about Chaucer's NFTs? <laughs> <laughs> Some dickhead has probably done that, haven't they? Oh, absolutely, I'm sure. What about, what about if, if um, yeah, what about if Beowulf came out um, as gender critical? <laughs> so basically, just don't like anything unless it's very old and the author is definitely long dead. <laughs> definitely long dead and there's nothing else to dig up but but yeah no be be fans of stuff but don't let it define who you are i think and and exactly diversify your fandoms diversify your fandom portfolio yeah exactly you should never Um, put all of your fandom eggs in one one basket that's the first rule of investing in fandom (laughs) precisely precisely um how on earth did we get on on i don't know i I think this is really important philosophical stuff you know this is the kind of stuff that shakespeare would have been talking about if he were alive today i reckon i mean that's what hamlet was all about really wasn't it he was there he was unable to murder his uncle because he was too busy arguing with people on twitter about whether taylor swift should be dating matty healy or not yep that's true he needs to get get swifty (laughs) um one thing to point out this film has brian blessed in it it does under underused yeah he should be in everything yeah very handsome looking brian blessed i thought we should we should really talk about flash gordon at some point by the way we should i love that film um my favorite thing about brian blessed did you know that he was the voice of boss nass in star wars yes the phantom menace i did how great is that (laughs) yeah um, Adam, you may know my friend Adam wrote him a letter and he sent back a lovely letter with a signed photo. Oh, that's incredible. That's that's so nice. Um, one thing I did want to point out, Claudio is a big part of this story. He gets too much screen time. He's he's the um he's like the vanilla like romance story. He's the boring one. Is like, oh, I love you, but oh, you you kissed another man at midnight, and now I can never love you again, and you should die. He's got a very young Amazing. and boring face with boy band hair, hasn't he? Yeah, I did not recognise this guy whatsoever, Robert Sean Leonard. Robert Sean Leonard, yeah. And it turns out that he was in House. I, I, I never saw that. And he was in Dead Poets Society. House was another show that people liked too much, if you know what I mean. It was fine. We'd sit here all day saying don't like anything. The love I have for (laughs) Castlevania is out of this world, but like you know, I can laugh at it. How would you? How would you feel about someone making fun of Castlevania? I would tell them to go and die in a pit. (laughs) 
No, I think it should be done because it is a very silly video game series of very formulaic games that I just love. Oh, look at me. I'm going to kill a vampire with a whip. Well-known weapon for killing vampires. <laughs> a whip. That's why it's good. Um, <laughs> have you watched the animated series yet? I've seen a bit of the first series. Yeah, it was good. I, it didn't like grab me in a way where I was like, I yeah, have to keep yeah. watching this. But I thought it was good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I watched the first season and thought, this is all right, this is pretty good, but I've not watched it since then. I do need to go back and watch it. They're making a it. new one that is based on um, Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night, so I'm more interested in that because that's like the uh, most iconic kind of duology of games from the whole series, whereas the TV uh, series is based on uh, Dracula's Curse and it deviates a lot and then adds in a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, I might want to correct you on that actually the most important storyline in castlevania is in simon's quest oh yeah um, obviously they're going to make an adaptation of that where he crouches <laughs> by a mountain for 30 minutes and then gets swept up by a tornado um <laughs> it's going to be entirely accurate to the game yep thank you it's just an hour of it saying what a horrible night to have a curse yeah, exactly. Uh, he he wanders around these towns, which are actually entirely weirdly designed. So actually, rather than walking through streets, you've got to jump from brickwork to brickwork in a vertical way, uh, which is how towns were designed back in the 1500s in Castlevania world. Uh, you know, that, that, that is history, I'm afraid to tell you. Thanks, Kia. Appreciate it. <laughs> what do you think Keir Starmer's favourite Castlevania game is? Oh, he I don't know. I think he's probably he's probably quite an obvious choice. He he probably goes for Oh, actually no, no, I'll tell you. Super Castlevania 4. That's exactly what I was going to say. That which is, is the, the most, most overrated entry in the <laughs> it's, series. It's fine. It's the most Keir Starmer. Yep. Um <laughs> it's it's like competent <laughs> and good and improves upon a bunch of stuff, but is also nowhere near as good as a lot of other stuff, you know. I like Castlevania 3. Yes, it is very good. It's horribly difficult. Yeah. Unfairly difficult. But I, there's so many clever ideas in that game. I've not played it in years. No. The way you have the branching paths, you recruit the other yeah. characters. The characters that you, you you unlock and bring with you and swap around with. Oh, it's great. The music's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like Castlevania 3. <sighs> um, although the, it didn't feel to me like... I know you said that Dracula's Curse was the focus of the TV show, but it didn't feel that way to me. It was like it really deviated. No, it more it uses it as a jumping off point. Yeah, I'd I'd really like them to do something. I, I would have liked it if they did Castlevania and went through all of it properly, and 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 actually use the lore effectively because I think there's some really fun lore in there. But um, anyway, sorry. Welcome to Castlevania Cast. Yeah, this is what I really want to be doing. Castlevania. Uh, I like that. Um. I like that. <laughs> so anyway, Robert Sean Leonard, you would recognise probably from one film and one film only, which is Dead Poets Society. Yeah, yeah. D can I guess? Can I take a while guess that you hate Dead Poets Society? I don't hate it. Okay. I've not watched it in well over a decade, and it's a oh, it's Captain, a Captain. cromulent film. Yeah. We talk about that at some point. Yeah. Yeah, you know me. I like a good Robin Williams. That's true. Yeah, um, and I like a good Ethan Hawke as well. Yeah. So he's in that, but then looking at his filmography, I don't recognise any of these films. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. In done lots of TV um, over the years, but yeah, House seems to be the big the big thing that he's been in. 
Um, which is interesting because when you look at the other names in this film, you know, you've got you've got fantastic people everywhere. And then he's kind of like an outlier, even though he's one of the key um one of the one of the key performers, which is interesting. Yeah, so maybe I, I suspect he was being given sort of lead, leading handsome guy roles at this point, thinking they were trying to make him into the next star, and it just never quite happened. But he's done a lot of TV and a lot of theatre as well. Oh, yeah, so yeah. He's played King Arthur in Camelot on Broadway in the last decade, so that's cool. Very good, very good. Yeah, no, still a, still a, a, a good career. But yeah, when you think about, you know, Denzel Washington, Keanu Reeves, Kate Beckinsale, which you've not even mentioned yet, but Kate Beckinsale. In her this. film debut. Yeah, yeah. And does a decent job, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. As Hero finds Tiffin. Obvi- obviously. You knew that joke was coming. <laughs> it was coming. <laughs> obviously, this is no uh, Anna Valerius and Van Helsing, if we're looking at the tears of Kate Beckinsale performances. No. Um, have we talked about Iconic Van Helsing lead of the yet? Underworld series. No, no, we haven't. We should. Oh, we really should talk about that film sometime. Um, I, I, I like Kate Beckinsale. I think yeah, me good. too. We talked relatively recently about Serendipity, didn't we? Yes. She was good in that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, people lose sight of her as being in the Underworld movies. But it's worth remembering she was also in Van Helsing. No, it's, it's worth remembering that she actually does have quite a lot of versatility. You look at more sort of straightforward thrillers like Vacancy, um, sort of historical sort of horror thriller stuff like um, Eliza Graves is an underrated film. Um, mm. She was in the very bad Total Recall remake, but she oh, no. is good in it. Um, yeah, she's been in some she's been in some interesting stuff over the years and taking some weird directions. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think underrated, I think absolutely uh, should be looked at as more than just a vampire. Yeah. Not that I don't enjoy the underworld movies cause they are really good fun. No, they're great. Um, but yeah, no. And yeah, she's, she's good in this for, for a debut. Um, she's in, um, the Charlie Day movie. El Tonto. Um, Fool's Paradise. Fool's Paradise. What's that? Oh. Oh, um, yes, that's the same film. Yes, yeah. So I, I don't know if they've changed the name. So they've changed the name. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, she's in that, which is cool. Yeah, I really want to see that. Looks great. Great cast. Yeah, I've got um, got all sorts of great people in it. The one problem I have... Got Ray Liotta's in it. Isn't Ray Liotta dead? Yeah, I think they, it was filmed before he before he passed. Oh. The the one problem that I have with it is that I don't necessarily find silent comedy particularly funny. But I do find Is it a silent well, film? Well, his character it's not a silent film, but his character doesn't speak. Right. I see. Um so although I do find Charlie Day funny, so swings and roundabouts. Sounds like it's for nerds. <laughs> Everything's for nerds. What's not for nerds? Yeah. Oh, release date May 12, 2023. How can we see this? Is it already out? It says Crikey. on... Yeah. It's had its world premiere. It was released theatrically on May 12, 2023. That might mean that it's been shown to people who aren't us common folk. Oh, critical response. The film has a rating of 14% based on 28 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, which means nothing, obviously. Average yeah, rating means... of 4.3 out of 10. 
Who gives a shit about Metacritic Tomatoes? Indicates generally unfavorable reviews. Yeah, I'll still see it. I'll still see it. Yeah. Oh my days! Uh, Bo is afraid is out on Friday, isn't it? Oh, is it? I thought that was out yeah. already. Yeah. I don't. I think it's out this Friday. I don't think it's out yet. I've seen a lot of memes about that film already. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Um, I don't know if the US got it early, um, or whether it was just based around. Um, uh, you know, um, critics being sassy about it because there was lots of people who were like, "This film too long and it's too Mer. sad." Mer. I can't connect with this character because I have an entirely strong emotional connection with the loved ones in my life. Or well, some of us don't. <laughs> some of us are little goblin people, and maybe we'd appreciate a film about another goblin person. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Might have to go see that this weekend. Hmm. Um, anyway, sorry. Welcome to the Rob checks what's on at his local cinema. <laughs> yeah, well, Charlie Day's riding high off playing Luigi. I, you haven't really seen the Mario it's film. True. I haven't seen it. No, I've not seen it. It's I might made watch it, all of the but... money. Yeah, it's it has. It seems fine. I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I might watch it when it comes to streaming services. I'm probably not going to watch it before then. Yeah, I probably won't get the chance. It doesn't have Kenneth Branagh in it, so... You know. <laughs> exactly. It's not got Keanu Reeves in it either. I know. That's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Or Denzel Washington, who we haven't talked about yet. He's great. He was this, also great. He? Yeah, he's quite young and fresh-faced. charismatic. And I'm a charismatic prince. Love that. Yeah, he's brilliant. Um, not enough screen time. Who would you like to play Wario and Maluigi? Oh, good Good question. Wario, hmm, Brian Blessed. I mean, he's 86, right? but he could still do it. <laughs> um, I think, well, I said at the time that they should have got it to be an Always Sunny reunion. Yeah, yeah. Why not have Danny DeVito as Wario? That would be amazing. Like, he'd be incredible. Um, who about Waluigi? Are you going to let Rob McElhenney do it then? And then you've got, no, you've got the whole lot. because he's not got the Waluigi energy. Yeah. What about Keanu? Could Keanu do it? Mm, a bit too laid back. I'm I don't thinking, think he do anything. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe Tim Robinson. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could see that. I, I, could see I that. think he's got some good Waluigi energy. So you need a proper comic actor, not a yeah. serious actor. Yeah, because I think Danny DeVito could have that. He could bring a lot of like dramatic nastiness to Wario. But I think with Waluigi, Waluigi is just a silly billy. Yeah. You're going to have someone skinny and evil like Adrian Brody. <laughs> yeah, if we were doing a live action one. If we were doing the live action sequel to the Mario <laughs> Brothers film from 1993. Yeah, they should just 94. do it. They should just do it. Um, yeah, you'd have Adrian Brody, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, I reckon I reckon give it a Tim Robinson. Tim Robinson can, can do a good one. If it Waluigi. was Wes Anderson's Mario Land, the six golden coins, or whatever. <laughs> Who would he cast as as um, as Mario? Do you reckon Bill Murray? Obviously, because it's always Bill Murray. That's true. That's true. You could have Bill Murray and Owen Wilson. Bill Mario. Um, Owen Wilson as Luigi. Adrian Brody yeah. as um, as Waluigi. Willem Dafoe as Wario. <laughs> I actually would like that, even though he he's a skinny man. <laughs> He'd do a good job. 
Willem Dafoe, you know, you know, you're going to get something good out of him. Willem Dafoe, yeah, based on his Green Goblin performance, which is yeah, obviously the most iconic villain performance of all time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we should cast every film. We should basically. We should. Um, have you got anything else you want to say about Much Ado About Nothing? By the way? No, this, this has been tangent heavy, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, I'm so tired today. I'm so tired. I'm all over the yeah. place. You're not. You're not here for the Shakespeare talk. <laughs> It's a Shakespeare adaptation, right? You, you look at the poster, you think it looks quite like quite a faithful, pretty straightforward Shakespeare adaptation, and that is what it is. But I think it's got a lot of heart. I think it, it does try to make some of the comedy, you know, not seem too obtuse, and it try it does well, I think, with the physical comedy and the interplay between the characters and all of that kind of thing that do make it enjoyable for a modern audience, you know, I, I think it's really well put together and really fun. If you don't like Shakespeare, you'll probably hate it. But if you're sort of okay with Shakespeare, I'd say give it a watch, you know? You've got nothing to lose by seeing this film where Keanu Reeves is very evil. <laughs> exactly. One thing I would say is that the light-hearted elements work a lot more than when they add dramatic moments in. Yeah. It, it sort of ju- when, the, when it's supposed to be dramatic, it just feels like it's jumping around, doesn't it? Yeah, but when it is on course on that really strong comedic wry humour, it does it really well. So I I enjoyed this. It was a really a really fun watch, um, and I would recommend even if you're not a Shakespeare person, you check it out. You get to see Keanu Reeves having a massage and being evil, and you get to see Kenneth Branagh's beautiful hair. Oh, he's he's got great hair and a great great beard as well. Absolutely, a bit yeah. too much of Richard Briers doddering around being a dad. That's true. He's all like, "How dare you, you, you harlot!" There's a big old harloty scene. You silly men! The 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 men of this movie should be cancelled because they're all dickheads. They are all bad, apart from Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, he's the only one who's like, "Uh, "Hold on a second, fellas." He's like, "I'm going to go and duel Keanu Reeves," and then like he just kind of, "Oh no, no, no!" It's the young guy. He wants to duel the man from House. But yeah. all he does is kind of push him up against the wall a bit. Yeah, he doesn't need to duel him. He just needs to give him a little sign of who's boffs. He's honourable. He does write some poetry, though, so he's definitely he a nerd. <laughs> he does, but an honourable nerd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, so how are we going to rank this? Let's see. Oh, I also wanted to say that there's there like a running joke about Michael Keaton being an ass, isn't there? The guy says to you, you yes. are an ass. Yeah. And he said, let it be known that I am an ass. He says that over and over. Yeah. And and he's good in this, Michael Keaton. I like him in this. Yeah. So, yeah. How many... How many bugles will you hang in your baldrick? Oh, that's... I've got... I've I don't got actually a... know what that means, but whatever. Some it means uh, putting entirely. crisps up Tony Robinson's bum. Okay, I'm down with that. That's that's what it means. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that episode of Time Team. <laughs> um, Baldricks are the they're um, the things that you put on your shoulder when you've got a sword. That's right. Yeah, that's what a baldrick is. Just there, there we go. That's some useful information from today's episode. You only had to sit through fifty-five minutes of us talking it's, about Castlevania and it's a, how it's all a shol- fandoms are bad. It's a shoulder scabbard. It's a shoulder scabbard. That's that's how you should think of it. Right. Um. Anyway. Um. Uh, Thirteen. Thirteen bugle crisps. 
That's good. Yeah, I'll go just one higher and give it a 14 out of a possible 20. I, I enjoyed revisiting it a lot. I don't know that I'll necessarily will do so anytime soon, but I think it was a good palate cleanser, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And always good to this. see Keanu, who is always good the to man. See Keanu Reeves. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. Um, so we know what we've got next. Yeah, Congo. Congo. <laughs> Watch Congo. Let's do it. Great choice. I'm genuinely I'm excited. I'm excited to see anything with Tim Curry in it because I love him so it's much. A truly silly film. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, brilliant. I'm very, very excited. All right. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't seen much ado about nothing ninety three, give it give it a spin. Um there's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money like a virtual tip jar. You can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com and we'll be back next week to talk about Congo. Alrighty, bye-bye.